Welcome back to Bench Busted FPL. My name is Jack and we're back ready for the 21-22 Premier League season. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Nick. How are you doing, Nick? Yay, I'm doing very well, thanks. It's very hot. I'm struggling to breathe, but I'm quite excited now about the oncoming FPL onslaught of information uh, as pre-season's rolling and we're finding out how teams are going to be. Transfers are coming in. Boy, let's go. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly over the next couple of weeks. And and I mean, since the game launched a a month ago or so now, there has, of course, been a lot of planning. Obviously, now with the Euro competition done and dusted out of the way, we can put that behind us. We are now obviously fully focused on the upcoming Premier League season and trying to do better than we both did last year in FPL. It's been a couple of weeks since we last recorded and sat down and had a chat. Anything interesting going on in the life of Nick? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well, on a personal level, I've been really enjoying my, my life, uh, as it were, on, a, on, a, on an FPL-related level, Jack, and I'm sure, well, I wonder if this is what you're hinting at. I have been tinkering with my team on and off, and you're, you, got, you, got a couple of, you get a screenshot every couple of days, and this is how it's going, and I sent you one that was exactly the same as a team I'd sent you before with like one change to a player. And I hadn't realized that I'd made that change, that just one change. Like <laughs> that's how the, how it's gone for me. I'm so excited about FPL. I keep tinkering with my team and I'm just going in circles and I end up in the same place over and over again. So uh, <laughs> I'm going crazy, Jack. I'm going absolutely crazy. The sun is bringing it out of me. And, and otherwise, I'm just spending all my time on the beach because I live in Brighton and it's an absolute glorious, glorious summer that we're having over here. It has been a good old uh, hot week here over in the UK. Um, and I think that basically the entire UK is in a bit of a heat wave at the moment. It is looking like it's maybe cooling down a little bit. But yeah, I think certainly the heat can affect your decisions in FPL some way. Um, you know, you can let it get to your head. And, and as you say, it's been a lot of uh, sitting down. I mean, I've not particularly paid too much attention to it. Well, you've been down the pub, right? Pubs are open and you've gone. <laughs> well, yeah. But obviously when, when the app first got released you know you do that thing where you'll just enter a random team just so you can get into the game and then you sort of sit down and have a look at the prices and decide on well I guess first things first is what formation you want to play uh then you want to look at the quote-unquote essential players who you want to have in your team and you you will probably have in your team for the majority of the season if not all of it and then I guess you know you do I do go back and look at it from time to time and, and I may make one or two changes up until now we really don't have a lot of information to go on. Yes, the preseason, as you say, is in full swing, but a lot of the teams are going to be experimenting with their squads during that time. A lot of the players are going to be rotated in and out of the squads as well. Um, so it is very difficult to try and gauge who are the sort of uh, under-the-radar picks and, and players who are perhaps not going to be as highly selected as, as some of the other players. And, and I think certainly towards the start, that can be vital in uh, sort of propelling you up the ranks in the opening weeks. I do think, though, as well, even in the early stages, I think that there is certainly a a quote-unquote template that is sort of starting to appear uh, across sort of the social media sphere, as it were, 
um, looking on Reddit and on, you know, the FPL Twitter accounts as well. It does seem to be quite a few common household names that are appearing in a lot of teams that I've seen. And I think, you know, you and I pretty much have, uh, well, let's not beat around the bush here. We have essentially the same team. And we did this again last year as well towards the start where we were comparing our teams. And certainly over the first few weeks, we definitely had very similar teams. Then it sort of diverged a little bit. And then again, towards the back end of last season, we had very similar teams. And, you know, we, we don't really discuss our picks too much. We will, as you say, we will send each other screenshots of our team and like you say you sent one earlier and I think I had nine out of 11 of the starting 11 exactly the same no it's the worst thing is I was like as I was sending that I thought Jack's gonna love this it's such all my picks are so unique I'm so interesting (laughs) what's wrong with me I can't believe it I cannot believe it had the same midfield or, or at least starting 11 um and and all that was missing was like, and it was really even simple stuff. It wasn't like big changes. It was just that I have Ionacho and you have Calvert-Lewin and, and I have Robertson and you have Shaw and, and you have obviously more in the bank as a result of that. It was tiny stuff. <laughs> I can't believe it, Jack. We're such a hive mind. We really hive mind this. And, and yeah, as you said, we don't even discuss it that much. We just sort of make picks that we think are sensible and end up coming to the same cl- conclusions almost independently. Yeah, and I think as well, what is... Well, maybe not that funny to to a lot of people, but obviously, I think in terms of the formation as well, we both currently set up with a three four three. I think that that does look like one of the most preferred formations. Certainly, going in to this season, I think you know a lot of times you do see the three five two or the three four three coming out on top in terms of the formations that you want to be choosing at the start of the FPL season. And I think that you know that is in part this season due to the fact that there are just so many options in terms of the attacking positions who are you know in that mid-price bracket sort of between seven and nine million who any one of those players as I say there are several of them but any any combination of three of those players can could do really really well for your team Um, and I think that that is where there's going to be a bit more diversity between teams I think that it will probably be the most selected formation I have seen some people trying to argue that maybe going big at the back could be beneficial and there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't I think certainly going with the likes of Trent, Robertson, Shaw, Dean, whoever it may be you know you don't want to go for the fullbacks who have a lot of ceiling in terms of their attacking output but I think that 3-4-3 you know you maximize your attacking players you've got your premiums in there I think we both have Salah and Fernandez as it stands and we talked about this when the game first launched but it does seem like this season it's going to be a lot more difficult to try and squeeze free premium players into your team I think at points last season you know you could warrant doing that and of course the prices have changed now and and I think it does make it a bit more difficult to uh, put free premium players in your team and again it's just about picking the correct combination of any of the sort of four or five players that fall into that 12, 12 and a half million price bracket. So as I say, I think that there is definitely a firm template in terms of the premium options to go with. And I think a lot of that as well is just waiting to see what happens with Harry Kane, whether or not he goes to Man City, because I think I think you and I are in agreement that if he does get a move away from Spurs and potentially to Man City, then he could be an absolute steal, even at 12.5 million, because if he's got the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, you know, his international teammate Raheem Sterling playing alongside him as well, 
uh, Foden in there, Gundogan, Mar- I mean, the list goes on. If he's got those players around him, then he could be absolutely lethal in front of goal. He could be, but uh, I've sort of almost decided, I've decided that he's not going anywhere. I, I, I think that the way that Spurs are going to operate this situation is that they're just going to hold on to him, force him to stay for another year and then potentially lose him in a year or two. And uh, it's a shame to see because, honestly, the guy seems like he's almost trapped and held against his will now. It's his own fault for signing a contract, I guess, in some respects. But uh, I'm not even prepared for it anymore, Jack. I, I'm honestly not even fussed. I don't think he's going. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean... It will be interesting to see a Spurs side without Harry Kane, someone who has been there for quite a few seasons now and someone who was obviously there, you know, when he was a youngster and and he did, you know, sort of force his way into that team. But yeah, who knows what's going to happen? I think as well, you know, another name that gets linked with City and was linked with City during the European Championships just gone was, of course, Jack Grealish. He is currently still an Aston Villa player. I think it's interesting as well when Aston Villa launched their new kit for the upcoming season he was one of the players that they used in terms of all of the sort of uh, promotional stuff for their new kit so you can read into that however you want I think that they are still trying to tie him down to a potentially a new deal to just to try and secure him at that club and you know if anyone like City do want to take him away from that team then they will have to pay the extra money for him and I, I think he's a fantastic player as I say I, I mean it's not like City really need to buy any more players I mean yes they did lose Aguero but we've seen it at times last season when Aguero wasn't fit for the majority of last season they were playing without a recognized striker at times yes Gabriel Jesus is there but I don't expect him to walk into that main striker role and, and I don't think that he's anywhere near the player that Aguero ever was yeah as I say I think that City perhaps don't need to sign a striker but obviously Pep Guardiola wants to uh wants to replace Aguero even though he says that he's irreplaceable um and, and they don't have the money to do so what we're going to do now is I sort of posed this question to you earlier today as well and I guess for this sort of quote-unquote unofficial official first episode of the new season we are going to go through just sort of the the top well not top 10 teams but go through the first 10 teams on the Premier League table so that's Arsenal all the way down to Leicester I believe and just sort of have a quick overview of maybe one or two of the players from each team that we are sort of keeping a half an eye on in in terms of the preseason and certainly ones to watch I would say um so we'll start with Arsenal I think there are certainly a good few names here in terms of players who are potentially being overlooked at the moment and may warrant a place in your side over the first few weeks of the season. To be honest, I've, I can't really look any further than Bukayo Saka. Oh yeah, really? I'm surprised that he's your pick. Um, what, what, what makes you so sort of interested in him? I just think, you know, look, I understand everything that happened with him and England and missing the deciding penalty in the final shootout against Italy, but... I just think that Saka, you know, he's got that young, raw talent. I think he's going to get a lot more game time this season than he did last season. I think he's a flexible player as well. So in times of need, if, if Arsenal need a player to, you know, fill in at left back or, or any position really, then I think that he can slot into that role really, really well. Uh, you know, as I say, he'd done it for them last season. You know, he's under 20% owned, which is still, I mean, it's still quite a high ownership relatively speaking, for someone who's 6.5 million. But I just think that he's a fantastic young player. He's got, as I say, he's got that raw talent, five goals, five assists last season. Yeah, and and I think that, honestly, if anything, that 
England heartbreak is just going to spur him on even more. I, I feel like he is someone who will take it on the chin and will just, you know, come back fighting. And of course, with Arsenal as well, and I guess you can say this about any of the Arsenal players, but they're not going to be in European competition this year. And it certainly then bodes well in terms of the rotation. And I think that Saka, more often than not, can, you know, potentially nail down that spot in that starting eleven, I, I just think that he's he offers a lot more for me in terms of just his creativity and his threat. Last season, he had the most touches in the box of any Arsenal player. And he's got a fantastic potential to, to just completely explode this season. It's it's, it's interesting. I, I think I don't know enough about Arsenal to know how they line up when they attack because they've obviously got a Bamiang, Lacazette, Pepe, Saka. Um, they've got Willock if he stays. Smith Rose just signed a new deal. There's a few options they've got there. I'm not even mentioning William because donkey. <laughs> my my pick um, from from the Arsenal team, uh, 3.6% owned Pepe at 7.5 million, who I think had quite an outstanding end to the season, uh, quite a flourish of goals as as it all came to a head. And and his minutes per goal are, are pretty good. He, he got 10 goals last season in about 1,600 minutes. Actually, I can pull up the stats. But I think it was about that. Yeah, bang on, actually. 10 goals, 1,600 minutes. So if you extrapolate that to a full season, if he gets the time, I think he's also a very, very good purchase. And the thing with Arsenal is that they have a couple of tricky fixtures to start with. You know, a difficult fixture like Man City or Chelsea. Ooh. Um, but but after that, then then there may be players that you like the look of, like the pass the eye test that you want to get in. And they're the sort of players I'll be looking at. I'm not so hot on their defence. I'm not so hot on anyone else. But I, I think Pepe, yeah, I agree. Saka as well to an extent, who both actually, they both scored exactly the same number of points last season. They, they're they the picks, yeah. I, I'm looking at Pepe as my sort of uh, outside potential pick. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I do understand where you're coming from with that. I think, again, for someone who was signed for, what, 72 million, he's not lived up to those expectations. I think any of these Arsenal players can have a fantastic season. I think it's going to be difficult, as you say, to try and predict who is going to be in that attacking lineup. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at times Saka and Pepe are rotated. I think Aubameyang, you know, they prefer to play Aubameyang out on the left. Saka is a left-sided player, but, you know, he can play on either side. So, yeah, there will be that rotation risk. We'll move on to Brentford now. Nick, I don't know if you are going to go with, well, one of the probably the obvious pick from from Brentford, which, you know, I think a lot of us are, are picking in our starting 11s to start the season. But uh, who is your Brentford pick? Hopefully you know full well that I could not give, I couldn't give a crap about the championship. And the only pick I even know anything about at Brentford is Tony, I, Ivan Tony. I, I look at the names, I look at the lists. I'm like, Raya, he looks good. He could be a goalkeeper, I guess, for 4.5 million. But for me, it's it's Tony. He had a record-breaking championship season, which is how I know who he is. He needs to do like... 25% of what he did in the championship and he'll still be a really good value pick at 6.5 million for a forward in in the Premier League in the fantasy Premier League. So for me, I think he's the easiest pick and 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 the player that probably should be in every team because you can always drop him down to even one of the worst forwards, the 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 bottom of the barrelly sort of types because one will emerge from there too, whether it's Puki or Welbeck or Malpay, one of those players will also probably emerge. So for me, easy pick um, and an easy pick in this conversation as well, because honestly, Jack, I can't tell you anything about any of these other players. <laughs> I I just don't know. I don't even recognise them. I, I, there's not even... The, the sad thing is they don't even have 
um, the sorts of players who uh, were like Premier League stalwarts that they've bought to sort of give them that seniority in the team behind the scenes. They're just they're just dudes. They're just dudes to me. Although um, I've heard good things about. Uh, in fact, you know what? I'm going to guess that your pick is uh, Mabuemo. Um, that's my guess, but uh, I've heard good things about him too. So, so what about you, Jack? Of course it is. Of course it's Brian and Bremo. I mean, he was, you know, he was one of that tracking trio that got split up going into the start of the season. Obviously, Brentford made the push to try and make it into the Premiership the season before last. The likes of Watkins and oh, I forget his name. Oh, we went off to West Ham, whatever his name is. That's how forgettable he is because he didn't really do anything for West Ham. But, you know, that, that attacking trio of players from Brentford, they got split up. And Bueno was the only one that stayed there. And as you say, Ivan Tony came into that team and he just absolutely smashed it in the championship last season. But I think Mbuemo, the one thing that attracts me about Mbuemo, and you know how much I love an out-of-position player, whether that be a, a defender or a defender listed in the game who plays as a midfielder or a midfielder listed in the game who plays as a striker. And more often than not, last season... Mbwemo would be playing a lot further up the pitch and even at times alongside the likes of Ivan Tony. Um, I think as well, you know, for 5.5 million, he definitely stands out as the midfield pick. If you were going to take a punt on a Brentford midfielder, I'd definitely suggest going for Mbwemo over anyone else in that team. I think, yeah, as I say, over the last couple of seasons in the Championship, he has been fairly consistent in terms of his attacking returns as well. 16 goals, 7 assists uh, a couple of seasons ago, last season as well. Eight goals, ten assists, so maybe dropping off a little bit, but he didn't really have to do a lot in terms of the output because he had Tony in front of him, uh, alongside him, who would uh, pick up the pieces when 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 he wasn't firing on all cylinders. So I think Mbremo could be a good shout. What I do have to do now is apologise because I completely skipped over Aston Villa, and I think Aston Villa is a team. I did wonder if you were going to call them Villa, comma Aston. <laughs> yeah, we'll do them right at the end, right at the end. Um, but no, I completely skipped over Aston Villa, and I don't know why I did that. Um, I think my mind just went A, B and just completely forgot that there was more teams beginning with the letter A than just Arsenal. But I think Aston Villa definitely deserve a mention. And I think, you know, we both have a couple of Aston Villa players in our team uh, already. And I just think that Aston Villa, after last season, I mean, I think a lot of it does maybe hinge on whether or not they can keep Grealish in that team. If they can, I think that they are set for a fantastic season. If they can't, I think that they have definitely signed a player who is more than capable of filling his boots. And that is, of course, Emiliano Buendia. And I'm going to say that you have probably picked Buendia as well as your player to to watch out for from Villa. Because, I mean, last season in the championship for Norwich, I I know I get it two seasons ago when he was in the Premier League, he didn't do well. And and I think that it was just a lot of adapting for him and, and trying to get up to speed with the Premier League. And he just couldn't quite cut it. But coming off the back of last season in the championship. Now, you say you don't watch a lot of the championship, but 15 goals, 16 assists for that Norwich side. He earned himself a, what is it, £35 million move to Aston Villa. And I just think that he is, he's got the potential to just be fantastic for that side. I think yesterday Villa were playing a free pre-season friendly and I think it might have been against Colchester or one of these lower league teams. But to only play 45 minutes and, and to play with Watkins and get two assists, to Watkins definitely bodes well for for him certainly going into the season and I think that again as I say I think he he will be a consistent starter you don't just spend 35 odd million on the player if you're Aston Villa and, and bench him week in week out so I think that he has definitely got 
a lot of potential and there is a lot of attacking potential there as well. Especially a team that's as, as data-driven as, as Aston Villa are, where um, they're picking players because they want them to fit their system. I will say, I'm actually big I'm big on him anyway. I, he, he was my pick. Uh, I've got another one lined up just in case, but he, I keep barking on about my favourite stat, which is that over the last two seasons of Premier League and only Premier League football, he had the second most completed through balls behind KDB, despite only playing one season for Norwich, whereas everyone else has played two. So um, I know you love that stat. I love that stat. And then he did it. He did it yesterday. He got two through ball assists to, to Watkins, um, which, by the way, is my pick, is my backup pick. I know that Watkins is highly owned and I know that he's on everyone's radar. It's not like I'm giving you a I'm talking about a special player here. But I still think that uh, what is it? Thirty four point two percent ownership. He is underrepresented. I think he is by far and away. If you look at a lot of the stats, all of the expected stat metrics, he is, um, he, he well, he doesn't outperform everyone on everything, but he's up there. And the extra bonus that you get with him is that, A, we've all watched him play, and we all know that all that's, all that's going to take is for him to just improve his finishing a tiny bit to explode in points. And B, he plays every single game. He plays every minute of every single game. So even if his goals per 90 or his expected whatever's per 90 is down compared to Danny Ings or Dominic Calvert-Lewin or whoever... He's going to play every single minute. So just sheer, like he's going to brute force uh, getting good numbers, which makes him almost a certainty for my team. He's one of those players that's in there and frankly won't be leaving the team, uh, even if that, if that means like a double up on Villa, which could be risky if you expect them to go badly with Buendia and Watkins or Grealish and Watkins. I think he really, on how good he is alone and how many points he will get over the course of the season, almost a no-brainer and that number should really probably be 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think we we were talking about it before we started recording, but I think one of the things that is potentially putting off a lot of people from heavily investing in Aston Villa players towards the start of the season, they open up the season with three relatively easy games, shall we say, Watford, Newcastle and Brentford. And then they've got a four-game run, even maybe you stretch that down to the, to the six-game run where you've got Chelsea, Everton, Man United, Tottenham, Wolves and then Arsenal. And they are tricky fixtures for that Aston Villa side, but based on last season and the way that they performed last season, I, I would say that they would still put in a decent performance. And with the likes of Martinez in between the sticks as well, he could be, he could have an absolutely amazing season as well. Obviously, going into it with a quite a high uh, increase in his price, I think one million price rise up to five point five for Emmy Martinez this season, but. There's absolutely no reason why he can't replicate his form from last year and, and why Villa can't give these big teams a bit of a run for their money. We'll move on to Brighton now. And Nick, who is your Brighton pick for a player to watch out for? It's my boy. It's Lamptey. It's absolutely Lamptey. Again, if you're on the right forums and if you're in the right sort of space, Lamptey is someone that everyone talks about all the time as a, as a pick. And actually, there's a lot of people saying don't pick him because of his injury record and things like that when... Really, it's just one recurring injury. The guy gets far. The guy gets far forward all the time. He's just in the box. He gets loads of touches in the box. He gets lots of expected assists. He gets all of the good things that you want uh, a defender with attacking potential in a back five to to do. And frankly, if he is fit and if he is making those absolutely outrageous runs, you want him in your team. the The downside, the one downside, is that he's very rarely going to pick up bonus points because of the way that he plays and the way that he sort of loses the ball. But if he gets an attacking return, he'll be up there and boy, he will get attacking returns. So for me, no brainer. Lamptey, um, 
very easy pick there, especially as I harped on about him all of all of last season, right up until his injury. What, what about you? Who are you looking at? Yeah, see, I knew you would pick Lamptey, right? And oh, I love the guy. I love the boy to bits. <laughs> I mean, he's a fantastic player. And as you say, you know, at times when he was fit last season, he was their furthest forward player. You know, he would be bombing down that right flank and, you know, getting into great crossing positions all of the time. So I think that he is going to be fantastic if he can stay fit. As you say, I mean, it is that one niggling returning injury, but if he can stay fit and shake that off and go into the season fresh, which he no doubt will be, then I think he can cause any defence problems down their left-hand side. So I, I just think that he is going to be amazing. I think my backup pick then for Brighton has to be my man, Leandro Trossard. I mean, he was fantastic at times for me last season. Maybe there's a bit of a sentiment in that pick as well, but you may remember, I think it might have been like week 20 or something when I brought him into my team and he scored two goals and got an assist or something crazy like that. And, you know, I think he's a fantastic player. He's still very young. I wouldn't say he's quite out of position as Umbremo maybe, but he definitely does like to venture forward from that midfield. And I think as well, when you look at him just creatively, he is he is definitely one of the most creative players in that Brighton side. I think, you know, he definitely likes to make runs into the box. I think he was second for runs into the box and, and touches in the box as well on that team uh, last season. So, yeah, I think Trossard has to be that one. And, you know, again, he falls into that bracket of the 6.5 million midfielders who you could pick any combination of two or maybe even three of those to, to slot into your midfield if you can stretch your budget that far and just sort of rotate one player in and out of, of your starting 11 out of those three that you choose so yeah I've gone with Trossard next team up Burnley and to be honest I found this one difficult to try and pick a, a player to look out for I think Burnley are a difficult team because let's be honest they're not they're not a very attack-minded team um yes they they were good in parts last season certainly towards the back end of last season as well with the likes of Chris Wood and sort of the partnership that was struck up between him and the likes of Mate Vidra but there were definitely times where last season they just looked a bit dead um and a little bit flat-footed I found it difficult but I've gone with your boy Dwight McNeil and again you know six million looks like one of the most creative, if not the most creative player on that team. Loves making runs forwards. There's not really much more I can say about McNeil because, to be honest, I mean, apart from, you know, getting two goals and five assists and getting the most assists on that team, which, I mean, five assists isn't isn't a lot. There isn't really much more to say about him other than the fact that, you know, he does, as I say, love making runs into the box. I think he was second in key passes and, and big chances created as well. So... He stands out in that team where there aren't really a lot of standout picks other than the likes of maybe a Chris Wood. Ah, see, I see that's interesting. I, I didn't expect you to do that, but uh, I, I thought you might go for Taylor. I know that you like him a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy because my pick is, um, <clears throat> get ready for this, it's Bidriguez. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean, I'm looking at Barnes, Vidra and Rodriguez. Individually, I don't think he, any of them are, are worth thinking about right now. But Wood... Uh, who's a 7.0 striker, will probably almost always start for Burnley, except when he's you know at the Olympics, which he currently is at the moment. And one or two of these guys will play, um, Vidra, Rodriguez or Barnes. And I think at 5.5 million each, they're all 5.5 million forwards, there will be a nice value pick emerging from here for whoever is favoured. 
that um, could work as an enabler if you are someone who wants to bring in three premiums that could work um, for you to move funds elsewhere to get like a Sancho or a Havertz or someone who's in midfield that's a little bit more expensive than uh, some of the 6.5s that you might have two or three of later on in the season. So I think it's worth watching out the watching these three strikers in particular uh, amongst the other sort of 5.5 ish options in forwards to, to see if there's any opportunity to, to save some funds and to move on one of your players that isn't performing well uh, and and make big moves. So keep an eye on them. Don't consider them yet, but keep an eye on those three boys because one of them may emerge as quite a good option is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think the difficulty with with those, as you say, is really trying to nail down who is going to be that sort of main player who will play alongside Chris Wood when he is back from the Olympics. I think towards the end of the last season, certainly, as I said earlier, you know, him and Vidra were striking up a, a relatively decent partnership, but I think that that was in no small part due to the fact that, you know, the likes of Barnes were sort of battling with injury throughout the entire season. I think Rodriguez as well was more used as a as an impact sub uh, for the most part towards the back end of last season. So as you say, I think it will be interesting, all priced at that 5.5 million price point. So yeah, if you can pick the right one, maybe not now, as you say, maybe later on in the season, they, they could definitely uh, offer you the uh, ability to increase your attacking options elsewhere. Nick, it's on to Chelsea now. We all know you are the biggest Chelsea fan in the world. The biggest. So I I had a difficult time picking a Chelsea player, purely based on the fact that the rotation there last season was just so strong. And I currently don't have a Chelsea player in my mind. Who who have you gone for? Oh, man, this is tough. Um, Honourable mentions. Actually, do you know what? I won't do some honourable mentions. There's a lot of people that I, I could pick here. I'm going to say, and you're not going to like this, I'm going to say Timo Werner. I think that Timo Werner, although I don't think any of these Chelsea assets are players that you probably want to start with, I think their fixtures are tough. Um, they, they have this nutty good fixture run after game week six or seven, I think, where it's just like a bit very similar to Liverpool's at the start of the season, actually, where you're going to want to potentially get one of their players. The player I'm picking is Werner because... I watched him a lot last season. I saw how miserable he was in front of goal. I think he's, his confidence has improved since Tuchel's come in. I think he's working very hard and getting into good positions. He's unfortunate that, that the way that it's gone is that he's been caught offside for like his armpit hair. <laughs> and he's fortunate that this season they're changing that to be less stringent and to be more beneficial to the attacker. So I think there's a real potential that Werner could explode with a bunch of goals that he otherwise wouldn't have scored last season just being almost added to his to his repertoire. So I'm keeping an eye on Werner. I, I think that Werner could be a real standout this season if um, if, if things go his way, which is a, a big if, I, I admit. And what, what about you? I, I imagine it's been hard for you to pick a player here that you weren't scared that would be rotated, perhaps? Yeah, well, this is it. Like I said, you know, I didn't really have a Chelsea player in mind. Um, I mean, Werner, if he finds his shooting boots, you know, if he finally manages to find out where the goal is, then he could be great. Um, as you say, he did have a, quite a few opportunities last season, and of course in the Euros as well. He, he, you know, he did miss the net quite a few times in in that competition as well, when uh, when presented with a chance to score. So, I mean, I I don't really know uh, where I stand with the Chelsea players. I think, again, someone who was sort of utilised out of position, as it were, listed as a midfielder, Havertz could be 
could be good if he consistently picks up game time and plays in that central role with the likes of Werner out on his left-hand side and, and you know, one of Pulisic, Ziyech or whoever it may be over on the right-hand side, then I think that Havertz could be a good pick. The Chelsea midfielders that you would be interested in are all at that weird pricing, you know, between that 7.5 and, you know, sort of £9 million range. And it's uh, difficult to try and pick any of the Chelsea players. I think, you know, if you want to have a forward and if you want to take a punt on Timo Werner, as you say, maybe not towards the start of the season, but definitely once you've had time to evaluate Chelsea and their assets, then there's absolutely no reason not to jump on one or maybe even two of them as their fixtures sort of uh, get a little bit better and, and, and take a turn for the good. Crystal Palace up next. And I've gone for the man himself, Christian Benteke, up top. And I honestly... I think that his stats from last year may not may not sound too impressive, you know, ten goals, two assists. But he's a player that can make things happen in that team. You know, I think him and Zaha really stand out as the the main two options. I think Eze, if he ever comes back from his injury, he's my boy. Eze is is my man. But yeah, I, I think that Benteke, you know, is again going under the radar a little bit. Six point five million as a forwards. And you know what you're getting with Benteke, you know, you know you're getting a, a big physical striker who can hold up the ball well, bring others into the attack. And, uh, you know, he's got a fantastic shot on him as well. And I think he had the most shots, most shots on target and most shots in the box. Maybe they, that doesn't sound too amazing, but, you know, you're a striker, you're going to be expected to, to have those in your arsenal. But I just think that he could be, again, another solid pick at 6.5 if, if you did want to go a bit different. As I say, there are other options to choose from that may be a bit more obvious but yeah I think Benteke is my pick that's uh that's interesting I I agree with that and again he's, he's in that range where I'm saying keep an eye on those sort of cheaper forwards some might emerge I'm gonna go for a boy that I well honorable shout out to Mitchell who I do like a lot and I think he's massively underrepresented but I'm gonna pick someone who's even more underrepresented at 0.1 percent ownership and and that's Jeffrey Schlupp <laughs> who's now a midfielder in the game he looks very good when he plays. And, and the, the, the problem was that he obviously just wasn't playing a whole lot underneath, um, under, and, under Roy Hodgson. Vieira's come in. We don't know necessarily how he's going to line up. Um, will it be a traditional 4-4-2 like, like they, they, they've played before? Will it be something more uh, progressive, which is, which is sort of what Vieira's hinting at when he does his press conferences? Either way, I like Jeffrey Schlapp a lot. I think, he's, I think he's very creative and he's a very good attacking force. At 5.5 for a midfielder, he fits in a very nice budget, enable sort of spot. And with Eze out, it just opens up the team even more for him. So there's not a lot to say about him yet. A lot of these picks will be obviously players that you can keep an eye on. But uh, I do want to put my, my stick in the mud now and say, I think Crystal Palace will probably be better than relegation fodder. And I think... Jeffrey Schlupp could end up emerging as, as a decent option, uh, only 5.5. Uh, I think I'm going to put my neck out on the line and say that. You know, when I was looking at the Crystal Palace players earlier today, I did look at the team and and I had a niggling feeling that you would go for Jeffrey Schlupp. Yeah, man, his name's just too good to be, to, to be ignored. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, who's to say that he won't get more game time uh, now that... Patrick Vieira has taken that role. It will be interesting to see how Palace do under Patrick Vieira, as you say, and, and how they decide to set up. I think an honourable mention has to go to Greater because I think that he's just, again, a, a solid 4.5 million goalkeeper pick. 
who gets you plenty of saves. Um, you know, if you want to go as uh, for, for an alternative to the likes of Robert Sanchez in between the sticks for Brighton, then you know I think Guaita definitely stands head and shoulders above the rest of the uh, goalkeeping options at that 4.5 million bracket at the moment. So yeah, I mean it's a tricky start to the season for for Crystal Palace. So it will be difficult to get me convinced to to want to choose him ahead of the likes of Sanchez. But yeah, I, I think that Schlupp is definitely a good outside option and yeah as you say if he can get some more consistent game time there's absolutely no reason why he can't be a, a fantastic pick at only 5.5 million the next team then is Everton Nick who is your Everton player to watch out for this season personal favorite fan favorite always loved him sometimes have him Richardson I think again caveat he's at the Olympics he's played a lot of the Copper America he will not be ready for the start of the season that's almost a guarantee but at 7.5 as a forward with Benitez coming in uh, things could change for him very quickly. He could probably, he's probably going to end up as their, as their, as their main penalty taker, and that's the most I'll say about that. And I think he is too high quality for Benitez to ignore him and to to not try to have him as a sort of a main goal threat. I, I think this is all very, this is all very speculative because we don't know how Everton are going to look. We don't know how they're going to play. And frankly, a lot of their options are quite boring. They've got so many bad wingers in the team. It's amazing. Like the Townsends, the Awobis of the world. Ugh, just just awful. But um, keep an eye on Richarlison. I think I think we'll be talk- I think we'll be seriously having conversations about whether we want him as our seven point five forward in in the future. Um, not right now, though. I'm afraid. Not right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Richarlison is fantastic. As you say, he has been heavily involved in, in international competition over the last couple of weeks and, of course, away at the Olympics. And, you know, just a side note, I mean, Brazil played Germany, I believe, yesterday in the Olympics and he got a hat-trick for Brazil. I think he scored a hat-trick in 30 minutes or whatever it was. So I don't know if it was the first 30 minutes of the game, but he scored a hat-trick and, and that can only bode well for him. And, and despite him having played quite a bit of uh, football over the last couple of weeks, as have a lot of players certainly involved in international competitions. Yeah, I mean, it can only bode well for him. And as you say, if, you, if you're looking for a way into that Everton attack uh, and you don't have the funds to stretch to the likes of Calvert-Lewin, then someone like Richarlison, who is more or less going to be on penalties, could be uh, a good player to watch out for. I think I've gone for, I would say, a more obvious pick in terms of the Everton side. And I think, well... I know that he didn't have as good a season as he perhaps, as we perhaps know he can. But I've gone for Lucas Dean. And, you know, honestly, at 5.5, I think he's undervalued. I think that now that they've got Benitez uh, as their newly appointed manager, I think that he can definitely do a job in terms of shoring them up a bit more defensively. I think that Luca Dean as well, as we've seen over the last couple of seasons, he offers so much going forward in the way of his just his creation. Um, you know, he hasn't scored a goal over the last couple of seasons, but he's been picking up decent amounts of assists and getting himself into the right areas to deliver crosses into the box. And with the likes of, you know, DCL in, in the middle and, and sort of roaming around the edge of the 18-yard box all of the time, then, you know, Luca Dean can offer so much down that left-hand side for Everton. You know, he had the joint highest big chances created last season. As I say, he's, he was a crossing machine as well. And more often than not, put enough crosses into the box and, and some of them are going to turn into assists. So I think he's a fantastic option. 
I think Everton, I have questions, as I say, about them defensively because although Pickford was fantastic for England, he always has this, I don't know, there's something about him where he is amazing on the international stage and then, I don't know, he just sort of lets it down at, at, at club level. When... He's too short to be a goalkeeper. That's his problem. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as I say, I, I don't know how that Everton side is going to set up under Benitez yet. Um, it will be interesting to see how they play and, and whether or not they're a bit more defensively sound under him because I think that he can bring that defensive stability to that side. Um, so I think Luca Dean could be an absolutely amazing option. Um, and, 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 you know, again, as we say, I mean, Luke Shaw played through some of the games in the Euros with broken ribs. So if he is ruled out for the first few weeks of the season, then... I mean, he comes in at the exact same price as Luke Shaw, and as as you know, as far as starts to the season go in terms of fixtures, you have to say that Everton have got arguably one of the best starts to the season. If you look at their sort of first ten, eleven games, the only the only big team and, and team that they may struggle against that they play is Man United away in game week seven. Yes, they've got leads in the second game week, but they they are very much a, a team with probably one of the most favourable starts to the season alongside the likes of of Liverpool. We'll move on now to talk about Leeds and I know a player that's going to be on everyone's mind and I think that it's definitely the player that, that you've picked is Rafinha but I've gone for the player who basically matched Rafinha in terms of output last season and although he was only on loan to them last season he has now signed their permanently for Leeds and that is Jack Harrison because honestly mate he's I mean he comes in at 0.5 cheaper and he again he offers a fantastic alternative if you want a way into that Leeds attack and you want to be a bit different then there's you know he he can offer you that something different eight goals ten assists yeah he's just fantastic I mean there's not really much more to to be said about the likes of Jack Harrison I'm assuming that you have gone with Rafinha for your pick. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, you've nailed me there. Uh, again, I'm not too hot on Leeds, but uh, I am interested in, in how Harrison's ownership is so low because you'd have thought that the uh, the, the the people who make teams, a lot, a lot of the sort of the stuff, happen, I, I'm trying to avoid using the word casual, but the people who take the, take it a bit more in their stride are the sort of the people who look at the numbers, look at how they did last season, bang, straight in the team. So I'm surprised that Harrison has... Lower such low ownership for someone who cost six million and, and scored so many points last season. I suppose maybe he's being usurped by Dallas, who has a much higher ownership and, and looks good, despite the fact that he's been reclassified and this season will be useless. But but even the likes of Rafinha have got very high ownership, so I'm I'm very surprised that Harrison's dripping uh, dripping dropping off there. Either way, Rafinha's my pick. The guy's electric. He makes things happen. We've all seen how he plays. When I watched Leeds play, when I didn't own Rafinha, I was incredibly nervous the entire time. And um, God speaks for himself, doesn't he? Really. And and if you're anyone, if you're considering the other Leeds assets, if you're considering the players like Luke Ayling, then uh, don't. Just stop. <laughs> just just he, he doesn't. He's not going to get attacking returns, no matter how much people try to fool themselves online at the moment about how Luke Ayling is going to be a great attacking pick. Absolutely not. Not in a million years. So um, stay away from that trap is my advice. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think certainly when you look at the Leeds assets, and I think that one thing that's maybe putting off people from 
leads assets as well as the fact that I, I don't think I think again maybe it's a bit of this sort of psychology aspect of FPL and the fact that they open up the season with Man United and Everton and I don't think a lot of people want to overcommit with putting you know two midfielders from the same team in their squad at the moment before we even know how the season's going to shape out I think that certainly down the line you know after the first four weeks or so then there may be an opportunity to have the likes of Rafinha and and Harrison in your team and I just think that yeah I think Rafinha is just a much more creative player than than Harrison is but yeah there's absolutely no reason why you can't have both of them in your team um and yeah as I say that that 0.5 price difference at the start of the season can go a long way to helping you set up in in other areas of your team so if you don't have the budget to stretch to the likes of Rafinha, then 100%, I think that Jack Harrison is, is the player to, to look at. We'll have a look now at the final team that we're going to talk about, and that is Leicester. Now, again, this was a team that I sort of struggled to try and think of any pick from this team. Not not based on the fact of the rotation, but also based on the fact that, you know, you've got to keep in mind the, the European competition. And yes, they were in Europe last season, but there, there are quite a few players in this in this Leicester side who stand out I think Vardy is maybe a bit past his prime now um dare I say it so yes he will still have penalties in his in his locker but you know we saw it at times last season there were times where he was not performing as expected shall we say so I had a bit of difficulty trying to pick my Leicester pick so I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell me who you chose as your Leicester City pick first okay I'm, I'm gonna go off yes I'm gonna go for Iannaccio I think that, yes, there is an incredible rotation concern there, especially with all the players who were, well, basically the only reason he played last season was because a bunch of people got injured in order for him to start starting games. I think that he may start. I, 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 I'm not sure on it. And even though he may be in my sort of my draft team at the moment, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure I'll keep him in. But when he does play, he puts out stats that are elite. He puts out stats that are basically rivaling Kane. So so if he was playing, if you were guaranteed that he was going to play every game um, of the season at 7.5, you're, you're getting uh, an attacker who's basically worth 10 to 11 to 12 million. No-brainer. Um, he's my pick. He puts out stats that are elite as Kane, but it's absolutely all going to come down to the game time and, and the rotation, which is, like again, one of the reasons to avoid players early on in the season when you don't know what's going on. Um, but keep an eye on him for sure. Keep a keep a real beady eye on him because uh, certainly the good players will be. And and as soon as and as soon as he looks like he's starting games, the movement towards him will be phenomenal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Enacho certainly, you know, as as you say, when I think it what really triggered it was when you know Harvey Barnes picked up an injury, and of course Madison was struggling with injury towards the end of uh, the season as well and and that really sort of opened up the the spot for him and he came in and he I mean I think he blew everyone away with how well he performed for that Leicester side you know 12 goals two assists and I think he was probably the the obvious choice to go for I think in a similar vein to your Burnley picks I I really like the looks of one of Telemans Madison or Barnes and again you know I know Telemans isn't perhaps notable for his attacking output but he does get forward he does create quite a few chances for that team as well I think Madison picks himself really because if they can keep hold of him and you know he's on set pieces he's got a fantastic free kick he is an outstanding player in his own right Um, and I think Barnes as well you know he was in and out of my side last season 
he just looks fantastic before he picked up his his uh, season ending injury and i i think that he can replicate that performance output again i think that you know the likes of him vardy madison Iheanacho, there's absolutely no reason why all four of those players can't play together um in that sort of attacking lineup for for leicester as i say there is going to be that doubt over game time um i, I think that brendan rogers will start to maybe use his players a bit more piecewise and maybe try to focus a bit more on European competitions. And, and, you know, they have well established themselves as a top four team, a top six team now. Um, so I, I think that any any one of those three Leicester midfielders could be a fantastic pick. The one, the one thing that I am still slightly annoyed by uh, in this Leicester team, and, you know, obviously I can't really be annoyed by it, but James Justin is still not back. And I had him in my team at the start of last season and he performed phenomenally well and to not know when he's going to come back I think maybe the rumours were you know around Christmas time but I think that he could be a fantastic player to have in your side when he comes back and if he's fit and and if he comes back into that side and starts ahead of the likes of Ricardo Pereira then you know there's absolutely no doubt that he may or may not make his way in into my team at some point and, and I think he's someone to just keep half an eye on obviously injured at the moment I don't understand why he's got his 0.3% team selected by maybe that's just the auto picks but yeah I think that Leicester definitely offer a lot of good options it's just about evaluating whether or not they are better than some of the other options available from other teams so three three times more people own Justin than Jeffrey Schlupp just consider <laughs> that well I think that that's just people looking at the numbers again seeing that he's got 101 points and you know, was out injured for half the season. And I guess maybe hoping that he's going to come back from injury earlier rather than later. But I don't think that's that's the case anyway. Um, we've gone through the first 10 teams in the Premier League. And now what I think we will do to end this week's episode is try to predict the top four in terms of the end of the season and who, what teams do we think are going to finish in the top four. So... I'll start from fourth, and I think the team that's going to finish fourth is the aforementioned Leicester City. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting pick. Should I, should I just say mine straight out? Yeah, you can. Uh, I think Manchester United will finish fourth. Okay. I was I was trying to think earlier. Honestly, I think it's a, a, a toss of a coin between the likes of Leicester City and United. I don't know how close United are going to run the likes of City this season, the likes of Liverpool this season, and maybe even Chelsea. Um, but I do think that they're going to give it... Ah, so, so we have the same top three, which is very interesting. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's... Yeah, Nor- Norwich City, Chelsea and Liverpool, I assume, when you mean City. I'm not I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I was just looking at the Premier League table and highlighting names who I expect to maybe be maybe be towards the top of the table. We'll not, we'll not get into that, but what we will get onto now is the third place team. Nick, who do you think is going to finish third in the Premier League this season? Do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be brave here, Jack. I'm going to say I think <laughs> Manchester City will finish third. Manchester City. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Do you like that? Who do you think will finish third? So I think that Chelsea will finish third this season. Oh, man. Well, you'll you, well, well, well. I just think that coming off the back of the season that they had last year, I think, you know, there's still... I would say there's still some business to be done in the transfer window for Chelsea. And, and, you know, I think that they are looking to bring in 
yet another striker, maybe even, you know, that there has been whisperings of Declan Rice perhaps returning back to the club that he was at when he was uh, a young boy. So I don't know. I, I just have a good inkling about Chelsea. And I think that, you know, the way, as you say, the way that Tuchel had them playing for the second half of last season and the way that they performed in the Champions League as well, um, and the way that a number of their players performed well uh, in the European competition just bodes well for that Chelsea side. And, you know, we know what they're like at the back and, and if they can just shore up a bit in terms of their attacking output, then there's absolutely no reason why they, they, they can't finish inside that top four and, and consolidate it with a firm third place finish. Yeah, I, I think I've picked Manchester City because I think the two teams above them are going to be better team units, maybe not better individual players across the pitch, but they'll certainly be better teams. Uh, they've got world-class managers uh, and I think Man City may may struggle. Now, now that no one's sort of suffering from COVID, now that they've walked the lead, league a couple of times, I think it's one of those seasons where they dip and probably go on and win the Champions League or something instead, you know? One of those seasons. Fair enough. Fair enough. Who am I to disagree with you? I think... That Manchester City, however, will finish second in the Premier League this season. I think that if your prediction is to be true and Harry Kane doesn't move anywhere, I think that they may struggle to replace the likes of Aguero um, with the transfer window ending and closing at the end of August. Then maybe they'll have some time to bring in a player or two to sort of fill that role. But I do think that they will perhaps... I mean, I say that they will struggle in front of goal. They didn't really struggle in front of goal last season. But I do think that they will miss having that sort of presence of a recognised number nine. Um, I think that what it does mean is that it definitely leaves opportunities to, you know, look at some of the players who may be occupying that false nine role for Manchester City in terms of FPL. But I do think that maybe City will just uh, run out of gas a little bit. And as you say, I think that, you know, Pep Guardiola's main focus, certainly after the heartbreak of, of last season, will be to try and get back into that Champions League final and, and finally win it with Manchester City so perhaps their focus may be elsewhere but I do think that they are definitely going to give uh, give the eventual winners uh, a good run for their money that's for sure yeah uh, no I, I have Liverpool in second um, I won't need to explain it too much I think you're about to explain all the reasons you think Liverpool will do well this season and I have Chelsea in first because of course you do because I'm a genius <laughs> <laughs> I have I have Chelsea in first because I think they're going to win the league with a goal difference of 38. <laughs> I think every single game they're going to win it 1-0 now that West Brom have gone. And um, I mean, if you win every game 1-0, you literally, you just win the league, don't you? So, <laughs> so that's what I think. I actually do really like the way that Chelsea set up in games at the moment, play in games, um, have looked at the end of last season. And I expect that to continue. It's, it's always the way... Uh, you you maybe are less um it's less it's less it's less in your mind, but I'm so aware of how it works when a Chelsea manager comes in. They look good, they win the league after a season. Um so Tuchel's had his one season, he's about to win the league now, and then and then he'll fall out with the players and get and get fired uh next year. So easy prediction really for me, that one. Chelsea are in the league, they've got the right manager for the job. Fair enough, and and obviously I am gonna say that Liverpool are gonna Get back to winning ways and finish top of the Premier League this season. Um, I mean, I honestly, I think you know Liverpool towards the back end of last season when they were in the when, when you know when they were trying to secure 
a Champions League spot. They they really went for it. I think as as we've mentioned already, and and of course we'll get on to some of their assets and some of the ones to watch uh, in the next episode. But I just think that you know the likes of Robertson, Trent, uh, you know Va- Virgil Van Dijk back into the fold now, and and you know if he can stay fit as well, I think he just reassures that back line. I mean, I know. Before his injury, there, there were games where Liverpool still looked a bit shaky at the back, but I think that they will be boosted by the fact that he is back now. Um, you know, Salah, Mane, Firmino, Jota, I mean, the list goes on. They've, they've recruited well in terms of defence as well with, with Konate coming into that back line and, and just sort of giving them an extra option there. Um, I think Wijnaldum is going to be a, a loss for them and I think that they are still you know, trying to work to replace him. But I do think that the likes of Thiago could could have a fantastic season if he can nail down that spot as his own. And, you know, he, he looks like he could be a good player and have a breakout season for Liverpool. So, yeah, I think that Liverpool can do well and I think that they can get back to, to, to winning ways, that's for sure. Hey, man, so it's, 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 a, it's not really a brave pick. It's a good pick. Very solid. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, you can't really say that, oh, yes, yeah, a bold pick to pick Liverpool to win the league. Because, I mean, it maybe was like five or six seasons ago, but it's not anymore, really, is it? No, it certainly isn't. So I think that that is where we are going to end the episode for this week. We are, of course, going to come back next week where we will be reviewing all of the clubs from 11th down to 20th. And obviously that's not where they're going to end up, but we will be going through the likes of Liverpool and, and the two Manchester clubs and, and trying to pick out which players to watch out for, which player, which players are potentially ones to keep an eye on. Um, and of course, we will then be talking about the relegation battle as well and which teams we think are going to be involved in a relegation scrap come the end of this season. So, Nick, thank you very much for joining me this week. 